Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a crowd podcast. What's occurring, but? I'm going to give you a straightforward what's occurring because today, Luke, we feel a little bit sad, don't we? We do. We do. The man, the myth, the legend is sadly out of the Tour de France. Um, what's to follow? We don't know. Um, it's it's a question that a lot of people are straight away asking is what is next for Mark Cavendish? And um, yeah, we don't know, but time will tell. It was... Uh, it's a sad, sad way to see him go out. And especially after all the hype and the fact that he was second the day before, looked incredible, had this problem with his bike. It was all, it was like an orchestra. It was just building, wasn't it? It was building yeah. for this epic finale. And uh, it's, it's not to be, sadly. It was almost a slow motion crash as well that put him out, wasn't it? So people have been watching this will have seen there was a little ripple effect. There was a touching of wheels further up the peloton. Cav was a little way back and it all seemed quite innocuous on the TV pictures. And suddenly you saw Cav on the ground and you pretty much knew straight away because his hands were on his head. He's not a man to stay down. None of you guys are. If you go down, you get up straight away, don't you? You sort of knew from his body language and reaction that, uh-oh, this might be it. Yeah, exactly. It was one of them um, where the peloton is relatively relaxed. relaxed. You know, someone touches the brakes in front and it just... You know, it snowballs until when you get in the back, you're slamming on the brakes, there's a touch of wheels and down he goes. Um, what looks quite inconspicuous and nine times out of 10, you get back on your bike and crack on. But, you know, if you fall wrong, you fall wrong. And obviously we all know now he's broken his collarbone. Um, and actually a, a similar place where he broke it before. So he's uh, only an operation. But it's just, uh, it is sad. And I think it was one of the great stories of the Tour de France. Um, there was this GC battle going on. There's the sprinters winning, the up and coming, the young guys. But then this third talking point was Mark Cavendish in the record. And it was on everyone's lips. Everyone was taking note of him. Everyone was, everyone wanted him to break it. 
I mean, it's historical cycling to, to watch and be a part of the day that he would have potentially broken the record is just amazing for any cycling fan. So everyone was spurring him on and it's, uh, it's just a sad way to go out. And there was actually um, a quote from Vino today saying, you know, if Mark does want another contract and Mark does want to try and come back and beat the record, then we'll support that. So will that happen? I don't know. But one thing with Cav, and we've said it time and time again, you never, ever, ever rule the man out. So let's see what happens in the coming months. Right, so he's 38 years old now. That should be too old for a sprinter. But we've seen from his form this year, as you say, that he seems to have the legs and he certainly had the highest peak speed in that stage into Bordeaux on Friday before he had that nightmarish, unfortunate incident with his gear slipping. So you don't think that maybe 39 years old would be a vast difference. I wonder though, once a rider gets it in their head that they're retiring and they've made promises, Cav's obviously a family man, he's got a big family, whether something changes mentally more than physically, once you actually decide you're going to retire. And he probably could get in physical shape, but whether he could get his head right and whether he could square it with what he wants to do with his life now, I wonder if that would be the bigger challenge. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, when you do say his age, he's 38, he's probably got 10 years on any other proper um, Tour de France sprinter who's going to be competitive for the win. Um, that that's, that's fast, isn't it? It's mad. You know, when you think about that, easily 10 years on any of his serious competitors. So credit to the man really to keep going year after year. And he's, he's probably had more ups and downs than anyone else. His career has been like a yo-yo and he just keeps bouncing back. And I've, I've only been teammate with Cav for one year in 2012 when he joined Team Sky, apart from, you know, when we ride for GB. But he's just a guy who, he, he's tough. He's resilient. He's like, he, he just won't go away. And I've also raced against him at nationals and stuff. And he's just this little pit bull warrior. So I would never, ever rule it out that he comes back. But like you say, the big thing is, is he, he is a family man. You know, he's, he's got his wife, Peter, and he's, he's a brilliant dad. And that's got to pay a, certainly, even if I start thinking ahead to when I plan on retiring, I'm already putting the pieces together and all the things around you, not just bike riding. So everything falls into place when you do retire. And for sure, he's been doing the same. Um, but Cav does love it. When you talk about cycling with him, he's so passionate. He's so into it. He'll, he'll pick races apart. He'll pick riders apart. He's a purist of the sport. He loves it. So with anyone else, you'd say they've said they retire, they'll retire with Cav. Never, ever rule it out. He's a man of contradictions as well, isn't he, Cav? Because sometimes he's really impetuous and most people who have hung around Cav have seen the temper. They've seen the temper explode and people who are on social media will have seen examples of the temper exploding, whether it's lobbing a bike at a mechanic or something else. But he's also incredibly thoughtful. And as you say, the passion he has for the minutiae of sprinting. I remember sitting down with him maybe six years ago just to do a special piece for, for BBC about the sort of secret arts of, of the bunch sprint. And it was one of the most fascinating things I've ever done. I don't think he broke eye contact for about an hour and a half. And there were so many different elements that were going on through his brain quite clearly in that mad mayhem of say the last 5K and particularly the last K or so. 
his photographic memory, the fact that he can remember stages like he did when he was talking about 2010 a couple of days ago, talking about the finish in Bordeaux, but also his ability to remember, for example, the colour of a certain awning on a shop on a left-hand side and think, oh yeah, there's an alley after that, which means there'll be a little bit of wind from the left-hand side, therefore I'll be on the right-hand side of the road. Like this, this unbelievable ability to break down sprinting to its minute constituent parts and to keep caring about it season after season after season. Yeah, I think, like you say, with with the way he races, with the way he rides his bike, he gets the most out of himself. But for me, what I found one of Cav's most powerful powerful attributes was getting the most out of his team. Actually, the way he can he can walk into a room and say for for GB duties, you walk to, into a room and you've got eight guys and you're racing in three days' time, and he wants them all on song, all riding for him, all hundred percent. Some of them have never met him. Some of them race with him a few times. Some of them race with him a lot. Different parts of the country, different mindsets. And within two days, he's got everyone buying in for it. And he can walk into a room and just make the team better. He can make the team gel. Even if he's not leader, I'd select him every day of the week for a team, even if it was a hilly course, because he just walks into a room and he turns a bunch of individuals into a team. And you've seen him do that at Astana. Like he gets the most, he gets the best out of individuals. He makes people step up with his, um, just the way he is, just his mentality, his eagerness, his desire to win. And that for me, that was Cav's strongest attribute is that the way he just brought a team together. He was the glue. You could have eight random guys and you think, well, this is a random team. Within two days, it's a fucking team and you're going to go into war for him. And he was just great at building a team and you can see he's gone from team to team he's had different lead up men he's had different guy pulling on the front for him and every team he gets into he's the center of it guys are, are attracted to him guys will ride into a brick wall for him because this something that he had deep down within him and that was just incredible i've seen it so many times and that was just incredible to see that's another one of the contradictions for me, I think, because much as anyone who spent time with Cav would occasionally get pissed off with him just because of his, his temper or whatever it was. But he's also incredibly generous, isn't he? So any of the riders who rode with him in the World Road Race in Copenhagen in 2011 have all got their very nice souvenirs. And most people who have ridden with him in their teams have also had the, the benefits of his largesse. But then there's other contradictions with him, aren't they? Because his emotions are always on the surface. So you always feel you're getting the real Cav. Yet you listen to him. And if you had no idea who he was and you just listened to him, you'd think, is this bloke from Liverpool? Is he from Merseyside? He's got the most Scouse Isle of Man accent that you've ever heard. Yeah, he's, I guess he's, you could say he's well-traveled. His accent's a bit of a mixed bag of Spanners, <laughs> but certainly a lot of Scouse in there. Um, it's, I don't speak very good Italian at all, but when he speaks Italian, you can know, you, even I pick up that his Italian has got a manx twang to it. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's definitely got a lot of um, the Isle of Man sayings and slang, and that's obviously where he grew up and where he spent his early days racing. But, um, yeah, he's, he's well-traveled and he spent a lot of time in Italy. So when you speak to him, it's like, where are you from and what are you saying and where are these expressions coming from? But <laughs> it's just Cav. Every time I watch an interview with him, I just, even if he's given a dead serious interview with great normal answers, inside it just makes me laugh. 
Um, it's just his his mannerisms and sometimes someone will ask him a question, a journalist, and he'll just stop and look at them for six seconds and then answer the question. And you think that journalist is shitting themselves. Oh, big time. I guarantee yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But he's definitely, I remember his slogan used to be, uh, oh, back in the day when he, he was a lot more controversial, obviously he's chilled out now, but it was fast sprinter, faster talker. And he just used to, some of his interviews, he didn't give a shit. He would <laughs> swear he would, you know, shoot people down, shoot into uh, journalists down, but he's a lot more chilled out now. And I think he's just been an incredible ambassador for the sport in general. He's been an incredible ambassador for any team he's ridden for, for British cycling, for global cycling. And, uh, you know, I think every rider owes a lot to him. He's put, he's put and held cycling on the map for so long. And also we're talking about him now as if he's retired and gone to this, into the sunset. But, you know, even if next year doesn't happen, he'll definitely race this year. He'll come back. He'll want to go out on his own terms, not in the back of an ambulance on stage eight at the Tour de France. So I think we'll definitely see him race this year. What, what race that'll be, we're yet to see. But, um, you know, maybe Tour of Britain or something like this, if their team's riding on, on, on home, home soil. But yeah, certainly going to be, um, you know, an emotional day when he retires. He's an emotional guy and for sure he'll let loose. But uh, yeah, there's still that something in the back of my mind that says one more year, it could happen. Right, let's take a cheeky advert break there. Then when we come back, I think we should try the task of putting him in the pantheon of cycling greats. We can split this up, Luke. We can have cycling greats. We can have sprinting greats. We can have Tour de France greats. Let's see what we get to after the advert break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, Luke, so we all know that Cav, at this point, if his career goes no further, he will be tied with Eddie Merckx on 34 Tour de France stage wins. That's a fact. I'm going to start slicing and dicing this a little bit because 
some of Eddie Merckx's wins were time trials. They weren't all mass start stages. Does this make any difference to you? Am I being a little bit nerdy here? Are we being unfair on Eddie Merckx, who is probably the greatest cyclist of all time, the greatest male road rider of all time? What do you think? I think undoubtedly Eddie Merckx is the goat of the sport. Um, that's just saying as an all-rounded athlete, what he won and the way he won things. But then Cav is the absolute 100% goat of cycling. Greatest of all time for those who have been living under a rock their whole life. Um, undoubtedly, he's number one. Uh, you know, Number two, three, we can go through them, but they're a long way off. I think what Cav did, I think across a long period of time, I think to be the best in the world, you have to win at the highest level and win consistently and win with, with a certain level of panache. I think to be remembered as the best of all time, you need them three attributes. Um, and he did. He won over a long period of time. He won at the highest level and he had, he had an edge. He always, he won the fans over. It was like that scene in Gladiator, you know, win the fans over. Um, so slight, obviously different riders, but, you know, he's one of the top five riders of all time. You know, not just sprinters, top three, top two, I don't know, but he, he's right at the top. Um, I mean, other than Eddie Merckx, I, I can't really think of many riders who have a Palmares like he has. Can you? Well, do you know what I found interesting? When you look down the list of riders with the most stage wins at the Tour, it's the drop-off before you get to the other sprinters. So obviously Cav has 34 stage wins. You then go pretty much all the way down to Marcel Kittel, who's got 14. You could go down to Mario Cipollini with 12. Like in my childhood, it seemed that Mario Cipollini won every single bunch sprint I ever saw. So the drop-off from 34 to 12 is staggering. You've got Robbie McEwen has 12 as well. Sagan, 12. Eric Zabel, 12. Then even someone like Andre Greipel, almost said only has 11. It's not only 11, but it's only 11 when you compare it to 34 for Cav, isn't it? And I think when you consider the names like Kittel, for example, he won 14, which is unreal. But that was in a, sp in a window of three, four years. You know, Cav won 34 over the space of 12 years, 13 years, whatever it is. 13, so, yeah. Like 13. So like I said, with the, the three characteristics, I believe that you need to be a GOAT that's there's lacking a big one is that he was the best for such a long period of time or among the best um so just I, I think he'll be remembered in my eyes for his success on the bike but also just as equally his character he was such a glass half full bloke and I'm talking about him like he's died. He's still alive, yeah. guys, but he's just <laughs> crashed up Tour de France. He's probably going to race this year. He might even race next year, but we're just dwelling on what could have been at this year's Tour de France. But, you know, if he does retire, I think it'll be, his name will always be spoken about in the, in the same bracket as the likes of Eddie Merckx for 10s and 20s, 30s of years to come. So, um, yeah, absolute legend. There's that story, isn't there, when he was a kid, before he really got into bike racing, when his mum, for the sort of things that, reasons that mums do, wanted him to get into ballroom dancing. Um, I don't know if this reflects what else there is to do in the Isle of Man, I have no idea. But um, apparently he hated ballroom dancing, but decided he was going to be the best at it and became a champion ballroom dancer. 
He's so competitive, like annoyingly <laughs> so. Like a game of, I remember uh, him and Pete Kenner stayed at my house um, prior to the London Six Day. So it would have been five, six years ago. And they stayed at my house in Cardiff because it was close to Newport Veldrum. So they were riding on the road in the morning and the, uh, and the track in the evening. So, I mean, they're both manx. They're both a bit mental. Uh, they're both highly competitive. I remember two points where Cav was just kicking off and you're thinking, why are you kicking off about this, mate? <laughs> and the two points were, firstly, him and Pete Kenner playing FIFA was just on another level. <laughs> like, you know how you see 12-year-old kids throwing the controller and turning the remote off? No exaggeration. The controller <laughs> got thrown and the, the console did get turned off. It was just like, Jesus Christ, boys. I was sat there and they were just going at each other. And another one was, um, we were in my garage and it was in the off season. I wasn't riding. So they were both on the turbo. So I left them to it. I went in and Cav was on Swift and he says, right, I'm going to go for this section. I said, right, you're okay. So he, he had his iPad and he said, push the, the, um, the power up, the boost button when I tell you. So anyway, he starts doing this effort and it's like a minute up a climb. Starts going up the climb. And I try and click it and I don't click it. I press something else instead. Oh, no. And he just screamed at me like <laughs> as if I'd done something horrific. Lad, I was so up for that effort. Now I've got to turn around, go back down and go back up the climb and press the button again. Or I might have pressed it too early or too late. You wasted my power up. I'm like, mate, at that point, you've won 30 stages of the tour and you're screaming at me because... You messed up a section on um, on Zwift, but that is just how uh, competitive he is. That's just how much he wants to win, and that's a big part of the reason why he's won so much. So, and I remember thinking, Christ alive, this guy's mental. Like, but uh, <laughs> it's just his his passion to win, his drive to win, success, and nothing else. So, um, yeah, looking back, credit to him really. But a couple of times at the house, he just flipped. And I was like, he's mild. <laughs> We should talk briefly, Luke, before we wrap up for today. We should talk about Mads Pedersen because there is always a winner of a stage no matter what happens in the road, no matter who is left behind and who doesn't make it to the finish line. Um, and it was a very Mads Pedersen sort of Mads Pedersen win. It was uh, very impressive. Yeah, they did a great lead out trek. Um, they controlled it throughout the day. They made their intentions clear from the get-go. But I don't know if you've heard or seen this win come of a lot more significance than just a stage win in the Tour de France so Mads has a friend who's a journalist for uh, Danish Eurosport do you know this story with the tattoo no tell me more so uh, Eurosport did a thing uh, show us your tats so they go up to a pro, pro cyclist and what tattoos have you got and they interviewed Mads and um this, this commentator from, uh, or, or journalist from Eurosport, Denmark was there. And they said, have you got any future tattoo plans? And they looked at each other and they laughed. He said, well, actually we have. And Mad says, if I don't win a stage of the Tour de France, I have to get the name of this fella's podcast, he does a podcast, on my leg, which, <laughs> and I'll get it just above my tan line. But if I do win a stage of the Tour de France, he's got to get the stage of the, the stage I win, the number, and my name tattooed. So I'm not 100% sure of this fella's name, but it was on Twitter on Eurosport and I think Mads on Instagram or whatever. But this this poor fella has now got to get 
um, stage eight, Mads Pedersen tattooed on his body. So that was an extra bit of uh, oomph. You know, last 50 meters where- he, Oh yeah, uh, you just need a little something extra. Out. Yeah. So it come of quite some significant stage eight at the Tour de France for some, uh, for some Danish journalist. I like it. Um, I would have to say that's entirely his own fault. He should know better than getting into situations like that. Um, Peter Sagan has done a similar thing, hasn't he? Danny is with mechanics and swannies and stuff like that. There's any number of people in Sagan's circle who've got unfortunate tattoos as a result of underestimating a three-time world champion's ability to win the races he says he's going to win. That's it, mate. You, you know, you're brave to bet against a big dog like that. And I think that now sets some kind of... Um, not all time, but like current record for stage wins in Grand Tours. So he's won a stage of this Tour de France. He won a stage of the Giro just gone. He won a stage of last year's Vuelta. And I think he won a stage of the Tour last year as well. So I think that now is four Grand Tours in a row where he's won a stage of everything. So that's some kind of record going on at the moment, um, which leads you to ask the question, why did you bet against that <laughs> for a tattoo? <laughs> but um, yeah, and he's, that's, that's, that's impressive, isn't it? that's incredible. And four in a row to not, you know, to get in shape for all of them each time, time after time. Um, will he go on to the Vuelta now and try and continue that streak to five grand tours in a row? Time will tell. So we are recording today's podcast slightly earlier than usual, Luke, for various reasons. So we're not going to do our usual recap on Sunday's stage, on stage nine to Puy de Dome, which we think is going to be a thriller. Um, even if at the time of recording this, there was a break which was making a right old mess of our predictions. But here's the plan. Rest day Monday, that is going to be a bumper edition of the pod. We will cover everything that happened on Sunday. We'll look forward, we'll look back and we'll chew over absolutely everything that we may be missing even as we speak. Lovely job. Who's up Monday? It was going to be Cav at one stage. Can we say that now? But I imagine that's yeah. less likely to happen. There'll be a little yeah, Cav-sized hole. I can't imagine him coming on now, but that would no. have been that was the plan. Maybe after a after a stage run on stage eight, who'd have known? But we have, would have had some great insight from Cav. Maybe we'll try and get someone else in. Who knows? But um, yeah, we're going to cover stage nine, which is we don't know what's going to happen yet to be seen. So uh, and cover the whole week. So it should be should be epic. Okay, onwards from week one to week two and to three beyond. See you then. Lovely job. Cheers, bud. Ciao, ciao. Network, a place where you belong. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.